Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? Well, I'm back home. I'm back in the closet. I'm back in the closet again. Here I am. And we are in week four of the Genesis prescription. I went in a a little out of order, um, which I kind of told you last week because I was thrown off about the order to go in since, you know, God is light, but didn't make the sun and the moon until day four. But I also specifically wanted to do plant week, uh, you know, like shark week, (laughs) plant week. I wanted to do that this week because it is the week of the summer solstice. In fact, the day that the podcast comes out and is released is um, the summer solstice. And it is the week that we do our three-day plant-based cleanse in the Christian Health Club. So we do one of these each quarter, and we coincide them with the changing of the season, which gives me all the holistic feels that I love so much. So this week is the official start of summer, which is marked by the summer solstice, the longest Sunday of the year. Sunday, not Sunday. Sunday. (laughs) So each season of the year is marked by the relation of the earth to the sun. The reason we have seasons is because the planet is slightly tilted on its axis as it travels around the sun. So different parts of the earth receive more or less sunlight at different times of the year. If the earth wasn't tilted, this wouldn't be the case and we wouldn't have seasons. So we mark these seasonal changes driven by the sun's position four times a year. We have two solstices. I always have trouble with that word, but I'm kind of nailing it today. Um, One in the winter and one in the summer. The two solstices occur when the sun's path in the sky is the furthest north or south from the equator. And then we have two equinoxes that happen in the spring and the fall when the sun is exactly above the equator, which makes the day and night of equal length. Okay. So like I said, um, the day that this comes out is the summer solstice, which um, it usually does typically occur around June 20th or 21st. It's the longest day of the year, um, sun-wise, daylight-wise, and marks the official beginning of summer. So happy summer, my friend. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I probably should have timed the Genesis Prescription Sun Week for this week since it is the longest um, sun day of the year. But I really wanted to mark the seasonal change with our quarterly detox because historically seasonal changes were a traditional time to do a dietary detox or cleanse as a way to prepare the body for a transition and change. And so I have built these into the Christian Health Club calendar so that we do them as part of our 
regular health and spiritual maintenance. And I, I just really love how our annual calendar is coming together in the Christian Health Club. You know, we do Feast to Fast five times a year. We do our seasonal detoxes together four times a year. We do nutritional assessments about three times a year. We do a self-coaching, uh, do self-coaching Christians every October. And then we have regular Q&A calls on different topics like the gut, hormones, and other uh, good stuff like that. And so we've really gotten into this rhythm so that people can anticipate and stay on top of health goals. You know, and some people cycle in with us in the Christian Health Club and stay for three to six months. Um, some buy an annual pass and stay for the whole year. And some people just come in and stay with us forever. <laughs> I love that. And I just, I love the Christian Health Club so much. And it's just a place where we hold space for however long people want to come in and immerse themselves in more God and better health. Um, we will open membership again after the next round of Feast of Fast, which by the way, starts August 16th. It'll be our back to school round kind of get back on track um, as we wind on down the summer and back up in the school season. Um, and then there will be a small window after that for those who, who have done Feast of Fast to join the Christian Health Club. So that'll be in mid-September. So mark your calendars for that. In the meantime, if you are not in the club, you can follow along with this week's Genesis prescription goal of getting at least four cups of plant food a day. Um, or you can step it up and in addition to that, do a three-day all-plant-based food plan, which means no animal-based food, such as dairy, eggs, meat, but also no grains, no nuts, no seeds, no alcohol, uh, no sugar, uh, just all veggies and fruits and preferably more fruit, I mean, more veggie than fruit, and preferably ones that are in season, and uh, also focusing on the good plant fats like avocado, coconut, and olives. So we do that, you just pick any three days of the week and just go plant-based uh, for three days. This might confuse some of you <laughs> because <laughs> I have been on a carnivorous diet, which is animal-based. Um, so yes, this is a complete 180, but I have transitioned out of that experiment <clears throat> And I'm going to talk more about that next week, how that went and so on. Um, but let me say I'm really excited for the deluge of plant foods because um, I missed them. Okay, so plant week. Let's start in the beginning as we do with all of our Genesis prescription goals and read Genesis 1, 11 through 12. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then Genesis 1.29, which says, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Now, one of the first things I notice about these passages is it feels like every other word is seed. Did you notice that? It mentions it six times within those few verses. We know that seed is just rich in symbolism throughout the Bible. 
you know, like Luke 8, 11, the word is the seed of God. Um, and then the verse that says, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed. Then there's the whole parable about the sower and the seed. And then you have this verse from second Corinthians nine, six, which says he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So lots of direct and indirect, um, <clears throat> reference to seed sowing, um, bearing fruit, all that good stuff. And, you know, one thing we just want to remember with this is that seeds are important because life starts with a seed, whether it's a person, a plant, or an animal, and seeds reproduce. You know, God establishes and provides food that will reproduce itself, and humans would have access to this ongoing supply and become involved in the growth of their food. We know in Genesis... Um, 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So we are involved with our food from the get-go. The foods that live and grow are the ones that make us live and grow. The earth provides nourishment for us through plant life and through animal life. You know, animals eat plants that we cannot digest and turn them into nutrition that our bodies can utilize. But plant foods come first, right, in the Bible, in the order. This does lead a lot of people to believe that we're meant to only eat a plant-based diet. But as you know, I don't agree with that because God did give us animal foods to eat. And if we were only meant to eat plants, he wouldn't have done that. But uh, plants are the first foods. Um, in Genesis 2, 8 through 9, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. We don't know for sure what trees were in the Garden of Eden, but people have pieced together what was likely flourishing there based on the region and what is mentioned throughout the Bible. So we know there was a fig tree, right? Because Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves after they discovered that they were naked. The famous apple was probably something more resembling like a greenish crab apple or a quince fruit. Um, not the kind of, you know, big juicy apple that we would picture of today. Other likely food trees included the black mulberry, pomegranate, pistachio, dates, almonds, and grapes. Okay, which all sound delicious. Um, but this brings me around to the next point I want to make, which is about the regionality and seasonality of foods. Biblical people ate what grew in their region. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> um, which is what has been happening for all of time, right? People eat what grows in their region until, until relatively recently, um, when we think of the history of the world, and the globalization of food, right? Like I'm talking about all the time here, now you can get anything, anytime, or you can here in the, in the United States. Um, and don't get me wrong, I mean, it's super cool that we can get and eat, you know, Brussels sprouts, which originated in Belgium, and broccoli and cauliflower, which are thought to have originated in the Mediterranean and pineapple, you know, that originally comes from South America. 
Um, and then all of these foods that we just talked about that originated in the Middle East, like from biblical times. The exposure to and availability of all of these foods that we have today is wonderful. It's awesome. But I think it's made us lose sight of a few things. One is that historically, um, people had limited access to food variety. You know, they ate a lot of the same things over and over because that's what they could get their hands on. So it's not necessarily a bad thing if we're not getting like, you know, 30 to 40 different plant species a week which I have seen recommendations like that. And I mean, it's, it's great. It's a great challenge. And if you can, or you want to get it, go for it. That's awesome. But I don't think it's necessary to be healthy. And I think it's kind of overwhelming for people to feel like they have to do that. And I think a lot of people are like, well, I can't do that. So they just throw in the towel and eat Doritos. <laughs> um, there was a University of Texas study that looked at the recommendation of dietary diversity. And one of the head researchers commented, Americans with the healthiest diets actually eat a relatively small range of healthy foods. And I think that's kind of interesting. But you know, it kind of makes sense for a couple reasons. One is that when you build an eating plan around a handful of healthy foods, you know, healthy plant foods, maybe you've got certain vegetables and things that you like, and you stick with it, you build consistency and habit. And that is like the golden ticket to good health. One of the things that makes Rebecca, you know, I've interviewed her here, and she's one of my longtime Feast of Fasters, a lifetime Christian Health Club member. And now she's actually on my work team, which is so exciting. Um, but she's just I always bring her up because she's just such a good example of so many things applying the Feast of Fast lifestyle to her life. But one of the things that has made her so successful is repetition of meals. I mean, we, she's like known for, she's famous for salmon and salad. <laughs> I mean, that she eats that all the time. And she posts it, you know, when we're going through an active round of Feast Fast, we all, we can expect that from her. And she's always like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm posting this again. And so sometimes she won't post her food. And I'm like, hey, please do it. It shows people like what is making you successful, that you eat that over and over. And that is Okay, that's a beautiful meal. It's one of her anchor meals. And it's that consistency of her foods that has made her successful, you know, healthier and at her ideal weight. The other reason, you know, this kind of thing works is just the simplicity of it, both in building the habit and that you're not throwing a million different foods at your gut to try to digest. You know, sometimes I look at the ingredients of these protein shakes and I just shake my head. Because it's like they're trying to throw everything but the kitchen sink in there. And that can be so overwhelming to the digestive system. I mean, I know that doesn't work for me. I cannot drink a Garden of Life um, protein shake. Or I can, but then you don't want to be around me for several hours. Um, <clears throat> so sometimes, you know, simple is very good and easy for the body. Our ancestors would have eaten plants seasonally. And that's where the, the variety would have come in, you know, but they didn't have access to anything close to the variety that we have today. So we don't have to have, you know, every single different vegetable on the planet to be healthy. Um, if you want to go for it, 
the more exposure you have, go for it. That's great. Again, I don't want to, you know, dissuade you from eating vegetables um, at all. But, you know, I just think it's interesting. You don't see a lot of vegetable eating going on in the Bible. There's a mention of um, leeks, onion, garlic, but mostly what you see is fruit, spices, which we're going to talk about here in a bit, uh, grains or legumes, you know, quite a bit of that and um, lots of bread making going on. Um, and then your proteins, your fish, fowl, meat, and dairy. You just don't get the feeling they were eating, you know, big salads or plates of broccoli. Um, again, not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying there's no right, one right diet for everyone. And how could there be when you look at it through the historical lens of, you know, region and seasonality? Now, a key point we have to keep in mind here is that people's microbiome, you know, the state of their gut bacteria, would have matched up with the foods available in their environment. Remember that we have a symbiotic relationship with the bacteria in our guts. We feed them with the foods that we eat and they feed us back by turning that food into vitamins and usable fuel and, um, and just really uh, being there to fortify our immune systems. And one of the reasons it is recommended for us to get a good variety of plant foods is to help promote diversity of gut bacteria. Plant foods feed our good bacteria, which help keep us healthy. And so the idea is that the more diverse our plant foods, the more diverse our gut bacteria. And that's great. You know, we definitely want to do that. What's interesting is that there's being more and more research done about how our gut bacteria shifts or is meant to shift according to season, that the strains of bacteria change to accommodate and work with the seasonal food availability. There was a study uh, done on members of the hunter-gatherer, um, hunter-gatherer tribe in Africa, which showed that the gut microbes that may have been highly populated in one season had virtually disappeared in the next. And that was highly dependent on the foods that needed to be digested within that season. Another study looking at the seasonal variation of the gut microbiome showed that during the summer, there was a surge of carbohydrate digesting bacteria, and then in the winter, more fat digesting bacteria increased. So remember last week, we talked about how summer is the season of more carbs, you know, kind of summer and in that early fall. And then winter is the season of more fat, you know, and protein. Our gut bacteria make enzymes that help us break down food. So that makes sense that we would need more carb digesting bacteria for summer and more, you know, fat and protein, kind of those, those denser foods, um, bacteria for that, you know, for winter. Um, so just can you see how this all works together? It's like a whole nother layer of the way that our body works in relation to creation. And it's just fascinating. So we are meant to eat seasonally. God has equipped our body to do, you know, for that in this special way. Psalm 145:15 says, "The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season." And don't you just know that God put what we need, you know, the right food at just the right time for our best health. I read somewhere how the foods and microbes align with our needs for, you know, immune boosting in winter decongesting the body in the spring, you know, when it's real wet, um, and dissipating the heat in the summer. So I just love thinking about it that way that, you know, the right foods are growing for what our bodies need at that time. 
you know, and again, we have this symbiotic relationship with our gut bacteria. They do good for us and we do good for them when we feed them the right foods that make them thrive, you know, um, and just keeping everything working as it should. But, you know, like I alluded to last week, you know, we've, we've kind of lost this seasonal distinction due to constant availability of light and food. But the more that we sync up with the cyclical seasons of light and food, the healthier we'll be. So I will say, if you are in the habit of eating your same plant foods over and over, it'd be a good idea to throw a few seasonal ones into the mix each quarter, um, which is what we focus on and do in our plant-based detox each quarter in the Christian Health Club. Now, one way that you can increase your plant food intake is by incorporating herbs and spices. I've been going back through Dr. Axe's book, Ancient Remedies. It's a great book. Um, and he says herbs and spices are nature's most potent medicine. And for example, he says, did you know that turmeric, cilantro, and cinnamon are more nutrient dense than broccoli, kale, and blueberries? It's so interesting when we think of that, right? Traditionally, historically, ancestrally, this is how people would have packed in more healthful nutrition and made their meals more flavorful and interesting. They were much more of an important meal and medicinal staple than we use them for today. We're kind of like, ah, seasonings, afterthought, you know, um, <clears throat> instead of making it a really prevalent part of the meal. And that's to our detriment. Um, and if we could get back to intentionally adding them onto, into, alongside our meals, we'd be so much healthier. They were quite valuable in biblical times. There are several, several verses that mention spices in use for trading and tithing. Ezekiel 27, 22 says, they paid for your wares with the best of all kinds of spices and with all kinds of precious stones and gold. So that verse gives us insight into how valuable spices were in biblical times, traded alongside precious stones and gold. Now, the difference between herbs and spices is that herbs are the fresh part of the plant, while spice is the dried part, the dried root, stalk, seed, or dried fruit of the plant. So one is fresh, one is dried. I heard Dr. Axe on another podcast say that spices are the most powerful than herbs, than veggies. And I think this is pretty fantastic to know and keep in mind, especially for those of you who may not tolerate a lot of um, fiber well, you know, kind of too much veggie roughage bloats you up or constipates you or gives you diarrhea. Um, you can get tremendous benefits from adding more herbs and spices into your diet. So let's talk about some of the top ones to include and what benefits they may have. <clears throat> so oregano is kind of referred to as nature's antibiotic. It is effective at killing bacteria. Garlic can help reduce cholesterol and high blood pressure. Rosemary is good for reducing inflammation, improving concentration and memory, reducing anxiety, and enhancing sleep. For those of you in the Christian Health Club, you know how I, I walk by this rosemary bush every day on my walk, and I'll pinch off a little bit um, of the rosemary and chew it on my way home. Don't worry, uh, this neighbor, it's a neighbor's bush. It's not close to me. It's just kind of on my on my route. Um, and they have this big bush by their mailbox. So I'm not like cutting into their supply. I doubt they even use it um, for any of their food or cooking, which is unfortunate. Um, it's such a missed opportunity. But anyway, 
<clears throat> I'm helping keeping it, keep it pruned by plucking off a little bit each time I walk by and chewing on it, helping my brain. Okay, thyme has antimicrobial and anti-cancer properties and can be used to improve respiratory disorders. Cilantro, great for heavy metal detox and also helps lower cholesterol and blood sugar. Parsley improves digestion, supports good bone health and has anti-cancer properties. Ginger, um, good for all things tummy, you know, relieving nausea, upset stomach, improving digestion. Cinnamon, we think of cinnamon, we think of blood sugar. It's been known to uh, lower blood sugar and improve insulin sensitivity. So that's a good thing. Turmeric is known as a powerful anti-inflammatory. Clove supports immune function and um, clove oil is actually really good for oral health. And cumin has antiviral and antibacterial properties and is good for aiding digestive ailments like gas and bloating. Um, even though I think cumin smells like BO when you cook with it, it is sure tasty. Got to have that for some taco meat. So all of these um, are yummy, you know, um, and packed with these plant compounds that are antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. This is truly food as medicine. You know, one of the things that I miss the most on my carnivorous experiment was my pesto is the besto. I'm going to really miss that. Um, cause I've made it using all sorts of, you know, herby greens like basil, parsley, and cilantro, and sometimes even salad greens. You know, if I've got some salad greens that I need to use up, I'll make a pesto out of it. But things like pesto and chimichurri sauce and salsas, you know, these herby, spicy side accompaniments, you know, most culture, cultures have their own version of these that they use and in their cooking and their eating. And that's where you get this concentrated dose of plant power. Speaking of plant medicine, I mean, we don't want to forget about the way plants have been historically used for therapeutic purposes. You know, God put everything we need into nature, both food and medicine. I love this verse from Ezekiel 47, 12. It says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And I just think that is so peaceful and lovely. Just a lovely plant verse that reminds us, you know, about God's provision of plants for food and healing. You know, we have to remember that our ancestors couldn't pop into a CVS and pick up Advil or grab an antihistamine. They used plant medicine, you know, what God put into nature. They knew how to utilize God's gifts. And we've gotten disconnected from that, you know, due to the ease and convenience of over-the-counter medications. Um, but we do have a modern convenient option in the form of essential oils. I did one of my earliest podcasts on the ancient oils of scripture. And I talked through some of that information from a book called Healing Oils of the Bible, which is a great book. And if you are into essential oils and haven't read that, I highly recommend it. One of the things I love um, in that book is how the author connects God's word, like his little, literal words that created the earth, with the healing energy in these plants. He describes it as the plants holding the word of God within them. And having this ability to go into the body and target the places that we need the most healing, like it's God's word directly going directly into your body and infusing in your cells. 
And I just think that is the most incredible way to think about it. And according to that book, there are 33 species of essential oil compounds um, and aromatic plants mentioned in the Bible. And there are over 1,000 references in some form. The ones referenced in the healing oils of the Bible book are mostly different than our common go-to oils of today, with the exception of frankincense and cedarwood, which are two really good um, commonly used oils um, that are good to kind of keep on hand. Frankincense and myrrh, you know, are two of the most frequently mentioned healing oils of the Bible. But frankincense is kind of known as this cure-all. There was this old Egyptian saying um, that basically meant it was good from everything from gout to a broken head, you know, like from head to toe. So it's kind of what we think about frankincense, good for everything from, you know, from head to toe. And it was used as a holy anointing oil. Um, We know it's good for cuts, bruises, colds, skin, focus and mental clarity, headaches, depression, cancer, allergies, bronchitis, and so much more. So when you're in doubt, use frankincense. Cedarwood, um, the Egyptians were using it 5,000 years ago, you know, as a disinfectant and other for other medicinal purposes, embalming, rituals. Um, But cedar oil has the highest concentration of sesquiterpenes, which are compounds that help oxygenate the brain and support clear thinking. It also promotes good sleep um, as it is a melatonin stimulant. Other essential oils that are wonderful to keep on hand are lavender. Um, It's good for anxiety. In fact, I read in Dr. Axe's book that German researchers found that lavender oil capsules work better than a commonly prescribed anti-anxiety drug. I mean, that's pretty profound, and you're not going to get all of those side effects that you would get from your anxiety drug. Um, But lavender is good to help, you know, kind of all things relaxation, helps relieve headaches, promotes better sleep, and it's good for the skin. Um, Oregano oil is another popular essential oil. Again, it works like an antibiotic. Tea tree oil has some great antiviral properties, good for treating fungal conditions like athlete's foot. Peppermint is good for, you know, energy, a nice energy lift. It's good for sore muscles and allergy symptoms. Lemon oil is good for detox and as a cleaning agent. So you can clean your body and clean your house with lemon oil. Rosemary, again, good for your brain, enhances memory and concentration. Clary sage is good for relieving menstrual cramps. Holy basil. Uh, works in, as an adaptogen and contains a stress-fighting compounds. And then cloves, um, another one which is just kind of has off-the-charts antioxidant properties, antioxidant properties, and helps uh, suppress viral infections. And like I mentioned earlier, good for oral health. And Dr. Axe has really good info on the applications of different oils um, in his book. Um, Okay, before we go today, I want to touch on one more thing that kind of goes along with this concept of respecting region and season when it comes to our health. Because we hear about these exotic superfoods that grow across the world, you know, like goji berries that are native to China, and the moringa plant, you know, which is native to India. The, um, I'm going to say it wrong. When you read it, you want to say the acai or acia you know what I'm talking about? People eat the ICA bowls. Anyway, A-C-A-I. That berry is native to South America. 
The noni plant is native to the Pacific Islands. Manuka honey is native to New Zealand. You know, we just hear about all of these um, exotic sounding um, superfoods, you know, from all over the world. And I think that we can get very caught up in this. And I'm speaking to myself here as well. I am right with you. I'm the first one in line to want to try all these things. But it's kind of like shiny diet syndrome in the way that you know, we're like, well, that must be the magic food I'm missing that's going to fix my energy problem or help me lose weight or make my skin more beautiful. We get very caught up in that latest and greatest. Um, we are very fortunate to have exposure to these amazing healthy foods from around the world. But there's likely a food with similar properties and benefits that is and has been right under your nose, you know, more local or seasonal to you. I believe God populated different areas of the earth with its own local version of superfoods or super plant medicine. You know, I don't believe that when he created the earth, he was like, well, South America, you're getting the goods, but North America, sorry, you're getting hosed. <laughs> you know, um, he has embedded what we need across the world for all populations. And again, I'm not trying to dissuade you from discovering healthy foods from across the world. But just don't ever think that God didn't put healthy foods right in your world. And don't get so distracted by the shiny superfood object that you miss the simple, accessible foods, um, you know, that offer you healing, that are right there in front of you. So as we move into plant week, plant week for our fourth Genesis prescription goal, I encourage you to start with the, you know, the base goal of four cups of plant food a day. Um, you know, which might be like leafy greens. You can easily knock that out if you have a salad. Leafy greens or berries or squash. You know, definitely go for some seasonal foods, but also see how many herbs and spices you can incorporate. And don't forget to keep up with your water, your grounding, and your sunshine. You know, we're layering in these good habits week by week, establishing a good foundation for our bodies and continuing to honor them in relation to creation. So thank you so much for being here with me today, my friend. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.